This Ask an Expert episode was previously recorded in our Facebook group. We thought our podcast listeners would love to get a sneak peek into our discussion. Please enjoy this Ask an Expert replay. Welcome, everyone, to our Ask an Expert series. I think maybe we'll start a series with this, but we have really wanted to invite you all in and ask uh, to ask some questions of Chantel uh, and and kind of get a little bit more information about the nervous system. And so I'm going to be your interviewer today. So I'll be interviewing Chantel Lopez. So Chantel Lopez is a nervous system coach and expert, and I'm going to have her just share a little bit more information about that in a moment. Chantel and I have worked together on the Embodied Business Institute really consistently since 2016, and I have been the very lucky recipient of this work (laughs) over over time, and I'm thrilled to, to share it all with you today. So without further ado, Chantel, can you sort of share with us a little bit of just like the very spark, like what what is the origin of your desire to study the nervous system work? Yeah, I mean, I think it I think it was the moment where I found what I suspected would be the answer to a question I had been holding for a very long time. And the question was, I think the question started, you know, these things as we evolve as humans and our interests evolve and we grow into ourselves. We have these questions about life. We have these questions about our uh, ability to connect or to serve. And when I started teaching Pilates, I had come from a time studying creative writing and journalism. And I was a journalist and for a short time, um, until I realized it would probably kill me if I continued. <laughs> but that's what I did. I mean, that's what I studied to do um, in college is to to be a writer and to be a journalist. But I was also always a, a dancer and an athlete. And when I came to teaching Pilates very, very immediately, I would say even like in my initial conversations, I will keep this brief, but sometimes... I think it's interesting how our how we get our beginnings, you know, like when I was exploring teacher training programs, like full length ones, I had already done some, I remember having conversations with two people and they were so different. And it's like the choice I made was a very interesting one because it was the one that was actually a little counterintuitive. And it was like, I want the thing that I don't already have, right? I'm already very intuitive, I thought, as a as a mover and as a person that could connect with other people. So I went down this path of like getting a very classical training, very stringent training, both from a physical perspective, but also a business perspective. But I, I think in choosing that, this question rose up in me, which is, I don't want to just teach movement. I don't want to just teach the body. Like there has got to be more. And, and as much as I tried to bridge that gap or answer that question for myself as to like, what is it? What is the more? I wasn't really finding it. And I went through more than half of my career kind of trying to find the answer to this question of how do I serve the whole person 
in front of me, not the body, the individual unique body, which is a thing we like to say, but it's, it's more than that for me. And it has always been more than that for me. And how do I bring my whole self, like all of me, good, bad, ugly, sweaty, awesome, brilliant, like all the pieces so that I can really meet another person and they can meet me in, in a way that is safe and transforms us both, you know, and I had done lots of things to, to facilitate that in myself and in my work, but there was the spark, as you say, was the moment really that I was with Wendy LeBlanc Arbuckle and I was taking a training with her. This is almost 10 years ago now. And she offhandedly almost mentioned something about Stephen Porges and the polyvagal theory and just dropped it in like a little, like a, like a raindrop. And I was like, wait a minute. Well, you gotta be, you gotta back up because whatever she said, and I don't remember what it was, but clearly we were talking about the polyvagal theory. I think we were talking about eyes, eyes and voice, because she had been talking also about studying with the voice coach. I was just like, you got to go, you got to tell me more about this. And that would, that was really it. And of course I went out and bought every book I could find. There were at that time, really no trainings that were relevant even remotely for me because the polyvagal theory is, you know, comes out of research and was originally applied and still is to um, treating trauma and also working with folks with sound um, sensitivity, autism, like realms that I wasn't really in. So that was the beginning, right? It was like, this might be the answer. Like This might be the way to bridge the gap between facilitating people feeling better, safer, healthier, stronger in their body, less pain, and, and also facilitating them everything about them, right? Coming to the surface. That was it. I love that because I feel like many of us who, who, who teach and practice Pilates are coming at it from a perspective or any of the healing arts tends to be, you know, it's about healing. It's about health, right? And that, you know, you can only get so far with biomechanics. You can only get so far with precise exercises because like you said, that's, you may, and maybe you're, maybe you're teaching the whole body, but you're not teaching the whole person, right? And we can't just, negate that that part and i think without this knowledge it's like you end up trying to kind of train the whole person but without the skill set you can end up exhausted and tired and you don't know why uh-huh. so i just think it it brings so much so another question that i wanted to ask you is like from a personal standpoint how has the nervous system work changed a your relationship to practicing movement? I'd be curious about that. And then also, um, how has it changed you in your in your path as an entrepreneur and, and as as a businesswoman? So I'd love to hear both of those. I think the most interesting thing that has changed about movement and teaching movement, and I currently just work with folks who have neurological you know challenges or or I do movement with people who have depression or anxiety. That's really like what I love um, is this understanding that like, you know, we, we hold body awareness and the development of body awareness, I think as a, as like a pinnacle skill. And what I am really aware of is body awareness is just one piece of becoming aware of your nervous system and it's not the same thing. Like if you have great body awareness, 
typically we're talking about extraceptive awareness, right? Like, or proprioceptive awareness. Like we don't think about ourselves in this way. Like what is the unconscious experience that's rising up in me? And can I identify it on multiple levels, both a body perspective, right? The body awareness, what is my body doing? How is it responding? What are the emotions or mental state that's rising up because of it? And then what is the, like, then what's that, like the thinking, right? So there are different, your nervous system to become aware of your nervous system is just something so much different. It's like, when you become aware of your body, it's like, you're becoming familiar with how your body feels and expresses itself. But when you become aware of your nervous system, it's like, it's like hearing a voice inside of you for the first time. And then it, when you can tap that and you can listen to that voice, it's just always with you. So you're moving and you are not just listening for body sensation, muscle sensation, joint sensation, proprioceptive sensation, you know, sensation, like where am I in space? How do I create the shape? But it's like, there's a deeper voice inside of you that is always speaking. And when you become aware of it, it like opens you up to a knowing about yourself and, and your movement or your experience of moving that is profoundly different than just body awareness. Mm. So that's, that's that piece. I love that. I love that. I've definitely experienced that for myself and my own workouts, which is really, I think it's given me a lot more compassion (laughs) for myself, which is, and that compassion has allowed me to get farther Yes, (laughs) versus just like trying to buckle down and then you overdo it and then you spin out. But I don't want to go too far down that path because <laughs> I don't want to. I don't. I, I don't want to go on a tangent with you as fun as that is. But um, so I'd love to hear, like, so for you personally, how has how has the nervous system work kind of shifted? You know, sh- shifted your life. I know one of the things you really value is your freedom, and some one thing that you you talk, I think, pretty pretty openly about is this concept of entry and re-entry. Yeah, nervous system work has been supportive. Can you can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, so I always talk about the impact of of um, like intentionally addressing the health of your nervous system in two ways. One is like when you know the ins and outs of the thing itself, you know your neuroanatomy, like you understand how the vagus nerve works, where it is, what it innervates there are just, the body is such a beautiful entry point to soothing your nervous system. And so there's this beautiful, big, immediate impact when you apply the tools. And and we work within four, four areas or categories of tools in our work. And it's just, it's amazing how quickly it can change you. And so I have definitely relied on that to support me in tense moments in work, tense moments with my children, particularly, and in transitioning, because I do come and go quite a bit. And transitions historically in my life have been fraught with agitation, resentment, like rebelling or retreating, you know, all of these kind of unhealthy, unhelpful 
<laughs> means of managing moving from one environment, one space to another. And so those those immediate grounding tools, those immediate vagal toning or soothing tools, um, or all of the inquiry work that we do, which, you know, turns out that's a parasympathetic trigger. So there's just this meatiness in the immediacy of the work. But beyond that, what, what is was surprising to me and so beautiful is that over time, and for me, I think it took about two years before I was like, I am really responding differently in my life, not just on a conscious level, but an unconscious level. Like the the example I sometimes share, and I have written a bit about this, which I'm going to be sharing with our people on our email list soon, is I was going through separation and and then eventually a divorce. And I was, I literally drove to the studios this pre-COVID and my then husband and I had a a counseling session and I had to take it from the car. I mean, I just, I had to be, it was virtual. I had to be at the studio. So I was doing it in my car and it was so intense and emotional because we were talking about telling our children and I pulled myself together. I went into the studio. Of course, these things are still emotional. So forgive me, (laughs) but I, I went to the studio and I walked into the studio And there were two people in the studio, both of whom I love, adore, and trust. And I literally, literally collapsed on the floor. Like the moment I saw their faces, my knees buckled and I was on the ground. And it took about, I mean, less than five minutes. And I, I like recovered enough to like stand up and have a conversation and teach. And, And it wasn't like, you know, how like we have these strategies of like shoving it down and compartmentalizing and like saving it for later. And what's some of the, you know, colloquialisms we have around, you know, whatever um, unhealthy, unhealthy strategies around dealing with um, difficulties, but it wasn't like that. I mean, I literally felt recovered largely, not completely for sure, but like and I wasn't trying to talk myself out of it. Like my body literally recovered very quickly. And, and I was, I was surprised. I was like, why am I not completely distraught and shaking and unable to speak clearly? Like these are the things that our nervous system will do to us when we are, you know, incredibly dysregulated and then i just became aware over the next many weeks and months and and years actually of like i should be completely upside down but i don't feel that like it's not that i'm thinking differently it's that i'm literally but my body is responding differently i'm recovering more quickly i'm transitioning more quickly i'm it's just, it's a phenomenal experience and it's a delight when it's a surprise because it rises up from your body. It's not like a therapy or a therapist has told you to think a thing, or you're trying to change your thinking because that's a, that's a gateway. It's a possibility, but it's hard. You know, our minds are not always telling us the truth. So anyway, yeah, that's the long-term and that just comes into play 
all the time. I mean, you know, it was just motorcycling in the Himalayas and for heaven's sakes, man, I don't think I've ever done anything so scary, physically scary. And I just managed it fine. Yeah. I love how you're able to, you know, share with us how you've gone through these, you know, deep personal experiences, like, you know, things that, you know, for some people, it, there's not a full recovery from, sure. from, from some, from something like, you know, breaking up with a life partner of, of for some time. And yeah, I just feel like that exhale. And I love how you mentioned that it bubbles up instead of being top down and that you're not saying, well, the top down doesn't work. The top down is bad. It's not bad. It's just that there's other options Yeah, and it doesn't all have, it's like, I think too, we always have this hierarchy of like, well, the mind is smarter than the body. And the, and so let's work through the mind and the mind knows. And if, but we all have had that experience. Well, I intellectually understand something, but I don't feel it. And my lack of feeling it keeps me from fully moving forward. Right. Or, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I think, you know, one of the things we talk a lot about is behavior change in this work that you and I do. And this just beautiful blend now that we have of body-based work, and we'll say that's the root of the nervous system work that we do and brain-based work, which we do. And it's like to, to have both options and to have them be able to interact and intertwine and understand how we respond from both, both places is incredibly empowering. Yeah. Because I mean, what do we know about the brain that it's harder to undo a, a habit or pattern than to create a new one. Right. And so when we're, when we're anchoring into and using the body as a tuning fork, I find that it's very easy or it can be very easy to create new, new, new ways of being and and then new ways of thinking, right? Because we can think a thing is good for us our entire lives and never do it. Mm, yeah. Because in some <laughs> way, in some way, it doesn't feel safe. But that's not an in, we we make meaning out of that. And so there's the story, but it's something else at work. Right. And we can still decide that it's not actually for me, it's not actually safe. But if we're not aware, it's like we there's all this missing information if we're not listening to what our body is telling us, because our body can truly guide us toward change, I think, in a very different and potentially more profound way than than thinking about change. Yeah. And I love it too, because you know, you're someone who values your intellect and you know, loves to read and loves to write. And, you know, so it's not, it's more like an and, right? Versus an or. And so we've got some questions coming in. So I'm going to field those to you. So I apologize for those of you who've been waiting. Let, let, Let me get the first one. So this one is from Allison Limehouse. And her question is, how do thoughts affect our nervous system? Can you give an example? Yeah, I mean, you think about any thought that you have essentially has an emotional balance. It has an emotional tone, right? Or maybe it is actually just neutral, but that's that's less that's less common. I think our thoughts typically have some kind of emotional tone to them. Well, 
it, when we have an emo, okay, our thinking is also based on our past. And so, you know, it's, it comes from some experience that we've already had some, some relationship we've had interaction we've had some knowledge that we've learned, but the knowledge is colored or flavored by the environment we were in when we learned it, the person we learned it from. So that, that emotional balance that our thoughts have, the meaning that we make and the emotional tone of those thoughts immediately sends a message to our nervous system. It's almost like, it's like when you smell a thing and it takes you back in time, a thought can do that, but it's a little more subtle because it's this emotional tone and our body is taking that in and saying, oh, that thought makes me feel not safe or it makes me feel safe. So it does work top down like that for sure. And we can be aware of that. Like there's this beautiful body of work that Anna and I, I've been in for a a long time and Anna and I have brought to our nine month master's program, our uh, mastermind program, the fellowship. And it's the work of Byron Katie. And what I love about that work so much is that it's a series of questions one of the questions allows you to, to inquire about who would I be without the thought? And it's phenomenal, the experience that we can have when we question our thoughts. It's like, you don't have to change the thought. Don't get rid of it. You're just seeing it for what it is. And so when you have the thought, I'm going to fail, or, or a thought that implies you're going to fail, you, your body responds it goes into dysregulation, right? But when we have the thought, so, and then the questioning is, what what would your life be like? Who would you be without the thought? And you're just considering it. And then you say, you think, if I could never have that thought again, then I'm going to fail. I mean, can't you feel in your body what opens up the opening? Like after maybe you get through your doubt, (laughs) you know, or whatever other layers of story and meaning making you have, but that's how it works. It really is about this, you know, it's not simple. It's a complex interweaving of things that are happening all the time at once, our thinking, our feeling, our meaning making, like it's all happening at once and you don't have to get rid of any of it. Really the crux of all of this work is, can I become aware of it enough? And then notice to acknowledge what my nervous system is doing. And then can I decide and discern how can I shift myself back to regulation, back to ventral? And there, it's very simple in the moment. It's very simple. And that, that awareness and that being in choice creates space. And then that space allows us to potentially make different choices. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've always been drawn to that concept of space. Yeah. Because it is, it's so simple. It doesn't have to be complicated, but creating that space. And, and a lot of times too, like if I just kind of, and we've got another question, which I want to get to, but just thinking about that concept of space and then going back to our conversation about, you know, being intellectual or, 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 and, and, and liking and, and acknowledging and appreciating your, your own smarts or the smarts of the person you're working with. And then knowing that to me, the space comes because the feeling 
it's like I allow my intellect to, 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 to acknowledge the feeling without the feeling just kind of pushing my, my intellect around or, or pushing my nervous system around and having thoughts. It's like, I just, yeah, I feel more space and I've always been really drawn to that. Yeah. I mean, you're basically bringing awareness to an unconscious experience. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you do that, space is created and responsiveness can be had, right? And I was thinking again of Allison's question. It's like you have a thought and any thought is is a meaning making. Any thought, whether you made meaning out of it at two or three or four or 45, right? You have a thought and, and the thought is a story. And the story is history. And that is why we respond the way we respond emotionally, right? But it is a very, very interesting thing because it's a little bit for me like chicken and egg. Like in my, did I notice that my my body responded and then I questioned the thought? Or did or did the thought and my thinking about the, <laughs> the thing change my body. And I think it goes both ways, actually. And what? why can't it go both ways? Yeah. I mean, I think it just does. And it's happening, you know, instantaneously, essentially. So it's just, again, like, of all of these opportunities to become aware, which one will we pull on that will serve us best? And I really just am so enamored, so in love with this inner voice that I have, that is my nervous system. I'm so curious about it because it truly just tells me so much about what's happening that I am not aware of on the surface. Mm. I haven't heard you quite speak about it this way. I'm loving this conversation. So I've got another question for you. Um, And this is from Blair Bodie. And it says, how do you introduce this work to a client that is open to, she uses quotes, I'll do that yeah, air quote, emotional work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you really, I have been thinking a lot about this in terms of scope of practice, which is not what we're talking about. And we probably should at some point um, because it's been coming up in our, in our larger conversations. It, it, it's like any knowledge, you know, it's like if you did, uh, we just had, you know, I mean, people have been doing now dissections, uh, cadaver dissections for a long time. If you have decided to learn, uh, you know, tapping or alternative therapies or muscle testing or learn about fascia or learn about acupuncture, you know, and you're, you're maybe not becoming a licensed act- acupuncturist and you're not going to actually put needles in people, but you have this information and you see the connections and the interweavings and the impact of, of emerging science and knowledge. And it informs, I think the very first thing that happens for us, that is a gent, the gentlest entry is how can it inform the way we approach our interaction with another human, whether we're teaching or we're you know, just relating in general outside of, of teaching. And in the, I would say really, honestly, how you introduce it is you do the work for yourself first and and you notice and track how your exchanges, the progress, the outcome changes as you change. 
because you will change and your physiology will change another person's physiology. This is the way the nervous systems work when we're co-regulating. Like literally when I hear Anne's voice and see her face, she changes me and vice versa. We don't have to be together, but it has big, bigger power when we are together and we're in close proximity or I touch her or, you know, like there's, there's something bigger about that, but don't discount this kind of exchange or even a phone conversation or hearing somebody's voice on a podcast. So you do the work for yourself first, period. You, you should not be introducing this work to other people unless you have explored it for yourself and are practicing it. And you're, you're becoming aware of the impact. It's just like, you wouldn't train to, I mean, you wouldn't become a Pilates teacher without doing Pilates. Like it, it, it doesn't work that way. So that's the very first, it doesn't answer the exact question, but it is an answer to the question. That's very important. Otherwise you have to decide what is relevant for the person in front of you. What are they interested in? Ask permission. Are you interested in learning more about how your nervous system impacts your ability to move or to achieve or to develop new habits in your body? I think asking permission, and this comes from our brain-based coaching work, is incredibly important to be explicit. When Anne and I, many, many years ago, developed a whole hands-on manual cueing training, I mean, we came up against this too. It's like you the very first thing you do is you ask permission. You ask permission. And then it just depends. I mean, you can work all kinds of nervous system magic on people without ever talking about it. I mean, you don't, you don't have to. So you need to decide, is this something that they would be interested in? Are they that kind of seeker? Do they like new knowledge? Are they nerdy? Do they want to know why? Or do they just want the outcome and they just want you to support them getting where they want to go? In which case you start by being intentional about applying breath work, movement that tones the vagus nerve. You can demonstrate self-massage on yourself that they could potentially use if you deem it safe. I mean, you follow all the rules, right, that you would follow as a Pilates teacher You work within your scope. You do what feels in integrity to you. But as I said, in the 28-day nervous system program that we started this week, we really look at what are the four categories of tools that we can apply, and then how do we apply them, and when do we apply them, and what kind of results are we likely to get? And then you have these strategies that you can actually employ at different times in a session that you could potentially give people uh, as homework. And it really just depends on, are they dysregulated? Like, how are they dysregulated? I mean, most of us, honestly, let's be, you know, clear, are dysregulated most of the time. We've just become desensitized to our dysregulation. And so it becomes our, what I call like our high rev, you know, we're like, we're like always a little, you know, frenetic even when we're resting, we just don't realize it, right? So it's it's not an easy question, but I think, again, start with yourself and then just know that you can choose to be explicit or not about it and asking permission. Those are the ways in which I would start. 
I love that piece of asking permission. Cause I think a lot of times like within the health and wellness world, we're like, well, the person comes in and they think they need this, but they really need that. And so like, how can we sneak that in? And so our, our support is like, it's not about sneaking anything in. It's always about like, we're going to level up. We're going to be the, the adults. And we're always going to ask for, for, for permission to enter into work with someone, particularly if it's emotional, but I would say like, for me, I'll, I'll, like I have used the polyvagal theory to help support me with chronic pain. I actually go to my Pilates instructor and I say, Hey, you know, I'm having a day where I'm more, I'm feeling more like I'll say to her, this feels more threatening to me. And I go, it's probably because I didn't sleep well last night and I'm exhausted. And it has nothing to do with the fact that I've had X, Y, or Z biomechanical issue and right. but because I have that awareness, I can say that to her. And so it's like, I'm almost like imposing it on her <laughs> and she's learning the polyvagal theory alongside us, but it's so empowering for you, particularly if you are dealing with something that's really hard, like healthcare or a chronic condition or, and a lot of people who come to Pilates are in that mess. And I can say that word mess because I've been in that mess. So, and I think, so I think it's, it. I love how you framed it as like, it's knowledge. And one of the things that Chantel and I really stand in is, is, is that one of the big things we are is, is educators, right? And there's a way to educate people uh, in awareness. And I do love how you held up that the pinnacle of Pilates is often body awareness, right? But then there's there's many different types of awareness. And one of the amazing types that brings a lot of insight to us is, is nervous system awareness. So I'm yeah, just- and I want to just plant this seed really quickly for those of you who are listening or watching who've done some of this work. Like there's a concept that Stephen Porges developed called neuroception, which is our uh, basically, it's the response of our nervous system. It's an unconscious assessment of risk that our nervous system is doing all the time. That's that's near, this unconscious, right? Yeah. So that is not the same as nervous system awareness. That's you being aware of the neuroceptive happenings, right? So again, like the power of bringing something that is unconscious to the conscious is incredible. And then we can bring language to it. And then we can, we can acknowledge it with compassion and gratitude too. Like I love one of the, like my primary teacher, Deb Dana is like, she talks a lot about befriending the the nervous system. And it's like, it's not, we, our job is not to villainize the nervous system. Like it is there to help us. It keeps us alive. Like literally it is in support of us all the time. It's just not always responding accurately because sometimes it's responding based on our history. I mean, always man, that word, but so how do we bring awareness to it? So we can say, is this accurate? Am I having an accurate response? Like, is this the state I want to be in? is this the state that actually supports me right now? And oftentimes the answer is no. Yeah. And a perfect example of that is people with chronic pain. So their nervous systems are revved up 
and there's a fear-based response because in the past, something may have hurt them a lot. And a lot of us in the healing arts are dealing with people with chronic pain because a lot of people have chronic pain, <laughs> sadly, and, and people need support around it. And it's not always just biomechanical. So this is just some of the ways that I've obviously used the work, which I just am, am loving. But one of the things that we want to support you all with finishing is that we are uh, offering the 28-Day Nervous System course. I was speaking with one of our uh, teachers just earlier today, and she originally took a course with you called Enter the Vegas. So this is the fifth time that she has entered into the work. And it's absolutely, you can think of it as like, it's wonderful to take it multiple times because every time there's a new layer to expose, a new opportunity. So we do have alumni rates. We want to share that with you. So if you've worked with Anne, um, with me, with anything with Body Brain Connect or with Pilates, you are welcome to grab onto that alumni rate. And the same with Chantel. We've had a few people join her or worked with her, their previous and current business, Skillful Teaching. So that's an opportunity for you. Um, And then for those of you who have not worked with us before, we would love for you to join us. We, over the 28 days, one of the powerful things we do is we develop a nervous system map. And I am a huge lover of maps and blueprints. And this is something that Chantel has, I guess, I don't know, I guess refined or that we're adapting from Deb Dana. Yeah, we're adapting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, So we're adapting from the work of Deb Dana. And we're really, again, we are placing all of this information so that it is within the realm of you standing in yourself as an educator, not going outside of your scope into mental health, because that's not where we're, we're, we're skilled at, but we are definitely skilled at the body. And so many of you, and we're definitely skilled, I would say in helping people perceive and and becoming aware of things. Again, whether that's proprioception, whether that's neuroception, right? And so we should use that skill that we have to support people um, in gaining awareness is certainly certainly the way I've I've found this to be just really empowering for clients and then for myself. And so we're going to be dropping the link below so that you are able to sign up. Our very first call is this Friday at 12 noon PST. And you get 28 days of amazing content uh, spearheaded by Chantil. We also have um, support within the course, within our nervous system integration facilitator uh, teachers who are on their way or facilitators in training. Uh, so you'll get extra help. And also, of course, of course, from me. So I will drop that uh, link in a moment. And is there any last word you'd like to share? as well, our Yeah. Well, there's two things really quickly. Um, I would say that we're damn good at facilitating change. And if you are into that and you are looking for change or you want to be better at facilitating change, this work is incredibly critical. It's just like, there's just like nothing, nothing else really. I always say that body change is great, but body change doesn't last without behavior change. And so if you're really dedicated to creating body change in people, you have to also be interested in behavior change. The other thing, I don't want to neglect this, and I'm happy to um, share more in another moment or live, but Allison also had a question about the impact. This was from earlier, our original post about the interview, the impact of and or relationship between the eyes and the vagus nerve. And what I'll just say really quickly are there, there are two 
there are so many ways that we address this um, from kind of uh, from an inquiry perspective to a movement perspective, which we share with you in the 28 day course, but six of the cranial nerves innervate the eyes and, and the vagus nerve is the 10th cranial nerve. So there is a massive synergistic intersection between the vagus nerve and, and all of these other six nerves that innervate the eyes. And so when you are stimulating the eyes, but just through movement, right? You, you are basically, this is a fascial based concept, right? Movement draws water into the tissue. And so what you're doing is you're like bringing water, hydrating the tissue around the nerves in the muscles of the face. And that brings tone to the vagus nerve. It soothes the vagus nerve. And then the other thing is when you move the eyes, the eyes are moving, they're triggering the the suboccipitals. So there are eight suboccipital muscles. And because, so the synergy between the muscles of the eyes and the suboccipitals, what, what happens is when your neck is tense, it sends a signal to your nervous system that you're not safe and vice versa right? Because the vagus nerve travels down through both sides of the, from the base of the brain, you know, innervates the face, larynx, pharynx down through the neck and throat. So the state of your cervical spine and the muscles around it are completely, it's like a, it's like a dam or a gateway. It sends immediate signals to the nervous system about safety. So when we move the eyes, we can stimulate and release the suboccipitals which helps to release and create more ease in the cervical spine, which then downregulates us. Well, that's the real quick and dirty, simple version. There are lots of other strategies around psychological safety that have to do with peripheral vision, convergence and divergence of the eyes, all kinds of stuff. But that's the, that's the basic. Just wanted to make sure that, <laughs> that um, I addressed that because I saw that question and I have been wanting to answer it, at least in part. All right. Well, thank you so much, Chantel, uh, for showing up despite feeling slightly under the weather. Uh, we wish you healing. <laughs> and um, I'm so excited about this always. I mean, it's just such amazing work. Yeah. So thank you so much, Chantel. And I will, I will drop this link and we'll see you all later. Ask any questions and let us know if you have any more questions on the replay. We'll circle back and answer. Well, as always, thanks so much for your continued patronage of the Embodied Business Inspire Brain podcast. We'd love to share with you a special opportunity for our most motivated, curious, and driven listeners to get on a 30-minute, absolutely free diagnostic call with us if you are interested in learning more about how the health of your nervous system and nervous system science can support you in building your business from improving communication, working with conflict, decision-making, risk-taking, team leading and team building, and the overall development and organizational structure of your business and how you interact with all of those different components. Grab the link in our show notes for a clarity call. We're only taking two of these calls a week. So when you book your call, make sure you write nervous system in the notes so we know exactly why 
you're there. We can't wait to support you. And we thank you again for your support of the podcast, your shares, your listens, your downloads, your reviews, and your comments.